Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Jeff, and welcome to Geekologist Radio, where we take you through our queue and ride the hype train into the future. Let's introduce our crew for tonight's cast, and first we have up Cajun. Hey, I'm back with lots of shows from vacation and packs. I've been just streaming shows until my brain ready to talk about them. Just downloading all those shows. Yes, I love the download feature on my tablet. There you go. <laughs> you can watch it wherever you go now. It's like the Switch, I know, four, but with movies. <laughs> yeah, a four-hour flight, that's four one-hour shows. There you go. <laughs> and up next, we got Paul. Hi! Hey, stranger. <laughs> right. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Like episode, episode two <laughs> of uh, the... Of the uh, spoiler Game cast of podcast, right? Mm-hmm. The spoiler cast. Yeah, it's been, been a, a minute. Been a while since uh, I've been on here. Been working. It's been a while yeah. since he's been on here. Yeah. All right. First segment of errors and omissions. Again, nothing in there. Yeah. Either we're doing really good, or we're just not being called on it. One of well, the two. We're not being called <laughs> on it because we all listen to ourselves, and none of us are yelling at each other for yeah. messing stuff up. So. Well, there you yeah. go. It's a win-win. <laughs> all the win yeah. and uh, every last win yes and we jump right into that in our queue um so first up in our queue is speaking of shows watched on flights i downloaded a whole bunch of shows to try from both uh, netflix and amazon uh, on my tablet for a trip to seattle and i watched a couple of them and one of them that that caught me and I only watched the first one because I knew my wife would like it, was The Night Manager. Uh, Night Manager is a miniseries that originally aired on AMC. And then Amazon has the post-distribution rights to it now, whatever you want to say. And so you can just download it for free there. And it's sort of like a James Bond miniseries, but with an untrained, underfunded Bond, if you want to call it that. And the cast, the main cast is Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston are the big names but also Olivia Coleman's in it. And Olivia Coleman was instantly recognizable to me and my wife because she is the main detective in Broadchurch, which is one of our favorite detective series. I love yeah. her. She shows up in yeah. so many great British sitcoms as well. She's friggin' hilarious. Yes. And uh, all of them, Hugh Laurie, Olivia Coleman, and Tom Hiddleston, all won Golden Globes for their roles in this miniseries. Um, Hugh Laurie was the one that, Hugh Laurie and Olivia Coleman, I think, really deserved it. Um, Hiddleston is the one that I don't think is as deserved because he was good in many scenes, but some scenes he just stares too long. And that is a combination of both him and the editing. Sometimes he's just staring and for no good reason in the plot. And it gets worse and worse later on. And that's really the only really bad part about his his performance, but is that it got worse and it wasn't just a one-time thing as not worthy for an award in my opinion um but uh, overall this was good it was enjoyable uh it won't make my top 10 list of shows this year but i give it about a seven and a half out of ten you guys got any questions uh, uh, now were they all using uh were tom hiddleston and hugh lowry using their british uh accents or were they american Yes, they were both they play they, everybody played brit so that okay. as a james bond movie this takes place with brits um from britain but all over the world it has a lot of exotic locales um 
big villains with big goals and big money and big fancy things. So it has all of that stuff uh, like a James Bond has and everything British. Oh, <laughs> uh, and lots of views of MI6. <laughs> like what? Uh, what time period does it take place during? Is it Cold War? Is it modern times? Modern. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Modern time. Mm-hmm. Like so, AMC is just always showing that they still bring the quality um, at a higher network budget, but not like the budget that HBO has. They still bring pretty good quality right. to the table whenever they make a series. Usually. I wish they would do more to promote their shows, though, like they do for, say, like The Walking Dead or they did for uh, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, because they have a lot of shows out there. And I just never hear about them or anything like that until it's too late, like Halt Catch Fire. I know yeah. nothing about it except it's on. It's like it's last season uh, turn. Yeah. I liked that. I watched a few episodes of that on Netflix and then I thought it got canceled. So I haven't bothered to like finish or anything like that. And it just. They keep coming up with new shows, but they're not doing enough to market them. Well, just like Preacher. Preacher's really good, but mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. nobody talks about it that much, really. And it's it's a really interesting show. Yeah. And, yeah, people, that's one of those shows, and we were mentioning this before the cast, there's, there's shows out there that people come up to me like, oh, I just started watching this. Have you seen it? Because they know I'm on a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I'm all about that show. And it's 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 those little gems that they find. And stuff that we found on here as well too. That's just it's it's out there. Um, I think Night Manager they did a good job promoting it before it, but since it's, since it aired, it's just went into oblivion and it just sits out there. Unless you see who the cast is, you might not find it or, or even remember. And that's for me. That's for me. I wanted to watch it on AMC. We didn't have AMC at the time. It was in between cycles for us. I was like, I'm not going to buy it. Uh, the show just for that. We held off forgot all about it until i was downloading shows for this trip i was like oh yeah that one i remember it now I like it took that. a year for me to get around to it but i got it mm-hmm. yeah. and uh jeff yeah you've been watching something i have so uh i started me and my wife decided to jump back into american horror story because colt is coming out or has come out now and uh, it looks great and we watched coven oh we watched it all the way up through coven then skipped freak show and then just never jumped back into it because freak show just didn't really mesh well with what i wanted to see in it i guess like it just didn't feel right like american horror story usually catches you at that first episode and then you just watch to see how things get more and more messed up this one just was like really messed up and he didn't know where it was going to go. So we started hotel and hotel is a vampire story uh, done. If you don't know much about American horror story, it's an anthology series and it seems like I talk about anthology series a lot on this podcast, but (laughs) I really like them. Uh, because if you have ADD, you can really find something that you like in it, in it and just grab onto that for a season or for an episode. But uh, Hotel takes place. Uh, there is a there's a detective story in it where they're trying to find a killer. There is so many different story arcs that just branch out and then all come back together at the end. So 
it's really interesting. We're about halfway through this uh, season, me and my wife, and it's starting to get to that point where everything is just so muddled and crazy that you're like, how is this going to start meshing again? Or how is this going to end up? Who's going to die? Who's going to survive? Um, what American Horror Story does really well is always their Halloween episodes. And this one it was about uh, serial killers. And so they had uh, Gacy, Dahmer, uh lady from monster i can't remember her name eileen warnos yeah eileen warnos uh and it just makes you so uncomfortable like that's what that's what's so great about american horror story is that it's so messed up and it just makes you uncomfortable and it has really good actors in it uh yeah occasion yeah, that's one thing that actually pulled me and my wife away from American Horror Story uh, when we tried to watch one of the seasons was that it made us just too uncomfortable. We're like, mm, do we want to continue? Now we'll try the next episode a little further into it. Like, this isn't for us. No, nah, this isn't yeah. for us. It was like just too uncomfortable for us. Like, there's other stuff. When they I definitely, yeah, I definitely suggest trying every season out, at least the first episode of every season because it's a different story every time. And I think right. that coven is still probably my favorite but the acting in this one lady gaga got her emmy for uh her performance in this and she's actually really good she makes you really creeped out she plays like the stone like just a stone-faced vampire they call her the countess so she is the lead vampire the vampress or whatever and she like, I don't know, like, people are trying to kill her all over the place now. Like, there's so many different murder plots just to get to her at this point in the show. And I don't know how they're going to do it because she just seems too strong of a character. Um, but it's good. You've got Kathy Bates in it. Um, uh, what's her name? She was in Big Love. Uh, she's got kind of a... Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, she was blonde, uh, hair, blonde haired uh, lady. Sid... Chloe Chloe Sevigny. Yeah, Chloe uh, Chloe Sevigny. Sevigny. Like... Oh, okay. <laughs> that one. Don't don't make us do an error to mission yeah. next week, Jeff. <laughs> no, you guys have it. I don't. So. <laughs> um, but, like there, there's so many just great actors in it that it makes you just want to continue to watch because it has great performances. Like Kathy Bates just knocks it out of the park. She took over for yeah. Jane Lynch. After, uh, I think hotel was her first season where Jane Lynch wasn't a part of it. And she takes that home pretty well as the wow. main uh, female elder female lead. Uh, Amanda Paulson always knocks it out of the park. Yes, Paul. Sarah Paulson. Thank you. And <laughs> and are you sure you're thinking of Jane Lynch? I didn't know Jane Lynch was in... Uh... No, I wasn't. I didn't mean Jane Lynch. What Do you I mean Jessica Paul? Lang? That's the one I said. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No errors and omissions oh, for next week. We're I, lying I'm, really good. I'm really good at this. I'm a professional. I did my research. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I think the reason Paul is on top of this stuff is because he has an American Horror Story that he's watching right now. So he has this entire cast in a different anthology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Uh, Take uh, I'm watching Cult as it unfolds. And I haven't watched a complete season of American Horror Story since Murder House. <clears throat> so wow. I'm watching. Yeah. So I'm watching it from where it first started to where it's currently at. And I'm hate watching it because it is awful. It oh oh wow. man, uh, my biggest gripe with it is I think it's way too soon for this politically charged of a story. the The entire first scene of the first episode is the election results from 2016, and everyone is so like over the top dramatic about it. It's too uh, much like we know already what happened, you know, so that's like they're using that, but it's just so over the top. Like there's one point where their neighbor is yelling at his wife for not voting. Like he's screaming at her. He's like, how could you do that? How could you just not vote? Do you not realize what's in the White House now? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there. I'm oh. laughing out loud because I'm going, oh, my God. It's my friggin' Facebook feed on TV. Yeah, yeah. The the day after the election. Yeah, mm-hmm. and God, well, and to see that in a TV show is like, yeah, we lived it. That's yeah, let's like go. let's move on. <laughs> and the thing is, like, so that happens, and what? So Evan Peters, who's in every season, he's watching the election results, and he's really happy about it. Like so much so, he's like humping his TV, and he takes a thing of Cheetos. I kid you not. And he puts them in a blender, like a whole bag of Cheetos, and he paints his face with the Cheetos. And then <laughs> that's that's hilarious. And he goes upstairs to his his sister, I guess, and she's complaining about like, oh my god, I gave up all my time at school to help the Hillary campaign, and just yes, Jeff. <laughs> Please don't tell me what I think you're about to tell me. Uh, he, so he goes up there and he's got his face all painted with Cheetos and he's like, ha ha, in your face, she lost. Just the worst type of like bragger and everything. Oh god. Oh I no, he he didn't he so didn't grab either. her. He did not grab her by the uh, by the feline. <laughs> okay, I was, I was gonna say I was like, if you, if it goes there, maybe I can't watch this one. <laughs> no, no feline grabbing. But then again. So, that's how American Horror Story kind of does it. They go really over the top for the first se- uh, first episode, though. Well, I get that, and it's but as I'm watching it, I'm we're being introduced to Sarah Paulson's character, and of course, as per usual, we're following her around, and this election result triggers every single phobia she has ever had. Okay. Every single. One, she's afraid of little holes, tiny holes. She's petrified of them. Clowns, she's terrified of clowns, but who isn't? Let's be honest. I mean, 2016. Yeah, especially nowadays. Yeah, I know. And yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, if they had just stuck to the clown thing, because remember last year when people were spotting clowns mm-hmm. all over the place? Yeah. Would have been yeah. fine. So she's afraid of clowns. She's afraid of little holes. She's afraid of people staring at her. Just all this kind of stuff. And she hams it up. Like, she's so over the top. It's so ridiculous. Uh, 
her hallucinations. It's, it's just, it's weird. I mean, like, it's just weird. I'm not a big fan of it, but I'm watching it. Uh, and in true American horror story fashion, like Jeff was saying, it's extremely unsettling. So for that, how does how does this play up. into cult though? How does this play into the title cult? Uh, I'm so I'm pretty sure they're a cult of clowns, and they want to attack this random lesbian couple. I'm sure as the episodes progress, we'll find out why they're targeting this specific couple. Uh, but until then. It just seems way too random for me. Yeah, and it seems like the addition of the uh, forced-in election stuff doesn't really fit with the main plot at all. Mm-mm. It's it's trying so hard to be political and be topical, but it's 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 too topical to the point where it's it's actually ridiculous. And yeah, the thing I liked about like Murder House was it was topical and like with school shootings and stuff, but it did it in a way that was really fascinating. And Mm -hmm. in within like the first two episodes of murder house, we had all these different storylines that we were seeing cult really feels like it's just going to focus on Alison pill and Sarah Paulson's character characters. And we're not going to have that cool world building that, is prevalent in right. every other season of American Horror Story. Okay. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it could very well be. I mean, that's kind of how why Freak Show kind of pulled me back because it was just over the top, mm-hmm. like like that. So maybe when you when you go to the extreme of taboo like that like a cult and like like a freak show and talking about the those types of things it's like they i think that they just feel like they need to pull it over the top probably but it's not it doesn't feel over the top in a way that just works because it's like i don't know it's really just sarah paulson's character who's super over the top everyone else i think plays it Really well. Evan Peters is fantastic in it, as per usual, or just like in anything that he does. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a cool cameo in there, and I just want to like give a little shout out to. There's this actor. His name is Zach Ward. He played Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story, and he follows me on Twitter. And we were, I'm a big fan of his from the TV show Titus, and he shows up in it playing the worst kitchen manager ever. And I even tweeted him like, "Dude, you're playing like the worst kitchen manager ever." And then. Spoiler, I'm just going to say it. Like, the next scene, he winds up dead. And I sent him another tweet, and I'm just like, oh, I, mean, I guess that's that then. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So, uh, moving on to one that th- this, this show has been talked about in this podcast a few times. But I just wanted to tap something real quick and talk about Black Mirror and me getting back into Black Mirror and... The, the thing about Black Mirror is I saw episode one of season one and me and my wife both saw it and instantly turned us off. And yeah, and, and we just backed away from it a lot. And then y'all on the show, my sister, others are like, Black Mirror is so good, Black Mirror is so good. 
Um, I know it's anthology. I know the other stuff's good, but we never went back to it. It just sat there in our to be watched list. And so what we did was, again, I downloaded some for this vacation, downloaded some on the flight. Mm -hmm. And my wife had went back and watched uh, two random episodes in it. And I was watching the second episode of season one, which was one of the ones she had picked. Mm -hmm. And um, and then she picked another one somewhere in season three. And I watched that one and I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. And when we get to our hotel and check in, like, all right, let's watch some more of these. And so in between Night Manager and around there, we started watching more Black Mirror. And since we've been home, we've been watching more of it. And that's the one thing I can say is it's a great show. Some episodes are significantly better than others, but mm -hmm. all of them are good in their own way. And if anybody wants to get into Black Mirror, just don't watch season one, episode one. Watch everything else. If you like it, if if you if you like it, then go back because it's an anthology. You do not have to watch it in order. Just skip season one, episode one. Just watch them in any order you want. And oh, go back man. later. No. Jeff, is, Jeff is seething over Absolutely there. not. You cannot skip that one. I mean, ah, <laughs> oh, I I love that. I love that one because of the political the political tones and everything, and just like how crazy that politics can get when you <laughs> it's not it's not a spoiler I, i'm sorry i had to go away for a second but no, no, did, we you know. say, did you say uh no he didn't no say no, no we did not say what happened and we're trying to try to avoid saying what happened in it because it's 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 a deterrent scene it's to a lot of people it's disturbing and but it's so impactful because yes. i was talking with someone randomly i can't remember where at and they were saying, oh, have you watched uh, any more of Black Mirror? And I go, no, I watched the first season and I didn't really care for it. And they were like, that first episode, right? I'm like, yeah, that first episode. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, OK, ever... so honestly, this is how I feel about that first episode. And I feel like I should just I, I'm just going to I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off here, guys. I'm sorry. Can I rip this Band-Aid off? Are you just going to say it? If you're going to say it, just say I, it. Are you going to say the spoiler? It's not even a spoiler. It's done right at the beginning of the episode. Like, you can't even watch this. You can't even watch this episode uh, without knowing what's going to happen. Okay. The prime minister gets called into his office uh, by uh, by his staff, and he has said, hey – uh, the duchess, uh, duchess or the uh, one of the nieces of the queen or something like that, I can't remember exact, one of the queen's relatives is taken by somebody. She's been kidnapped. And the only way that we are going oh, to get her back, the, the kidnapper has said that you need to, and Fouts, you're going to have to bleep me, uh, you need to f*** a pig on live television an actual oinking pig not like... like an actual pig it's over the top yes it is so freaking nuts but the thing is is what it shows is that you can have something that sounds so weird and just out there and by the end of this episode how all the twists and turns that happen with it it's not about that really and the twist at the end is great. Like it, it, it is. It's put there for shock factor. That right, right, yeah, yeah. And but that's that's the thing. You put this. You don't put the shock factor in episode one. And that that's the thing that I was like. If that if that was the thing to determine. If they're gonna do this in episode one, 
what the hell's in these other episodes? Yeah, and then, that's, it, that's and what then I'm it, they pulled off. And that's what a lot of people hard. are thinking. Yeah, they pulled off. Yeah, real exactly. Hard. It it yeah, actually it off from there. It actually is almost seems like someone wa- like the studio saw the first episode, the BBC saw the first episode, and then were like, "Look, no, you guys cannot do this again. You just <laughs> no way, man. This is not gonna happen again. Do something with like bikes and prizes." But the thing is, is yeah, that yeah. That was get, so... get Bryce Dallas Howard and put her in something. Yeah, <laughs> this was so avant garde. I think that's why I like it so much. It was so avant garde and just like, yeah, let's do. Let's do this. Oh, come yeah. on, Paul. Don't give me that. I wouldn't call it avant-garde. I just, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. You know I didn't like it because uh, yeah. you were the one who showed it to me. We watched the entire first series in like a yeah. single evening. And I fell asleep by halfway through the second episode. I have a question yeah. for everybody then. For for Black Mirror. Uh, Derek, did you say that you watched all of it? You've watched everything no, yet? we've only started season three. Season three is great. Like it's mm-hmm. a it's a really good one. It switches it switches from being a BBC show to being a Netflix show and being uh, done by Amer- uh, by for American audiences instead of for British audiences. So uh, it has a little bit of a different feel, but it's really it's really good and i think that if you don't catch the feels in the episode named san junipero you are heartless that's all i'm going to say (laughs) like it's it's a really really good episode and uh it's kind of like flipping black mirror is like flipping a uh flipping the uh the channel every episode is completely Mm -hmm. different from the other one yep it's just the topic is going to have to do something with technology. Mm-hmm. They, they do tend to stick a lot with uh, cameras overlaying your eyelids. That tends to be a pretty consistent technology in a lot of their universes. But uh, I do like how they make big technology twists on all of them. Mm-hmm. So that's been really good. All right. So the show that's getting so much pub that I'm, I really want to see, but uh, have not started yet. Uh, and Jeff, you you watch a lot of. Let's get Swifty. Yeah, let's love get Rick Swifty in here. Rick and Morty, season three has been going. Uh, has been going. It started basically around when Game of Thrones started, and you would watch. I would watch this, and then I'd watch Ga- or I would watch Game of Thrones, and then I would watch this on Monday because I don't have Cartoon Network, and it amazingly is a great pairing. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, especially this season. This, this season's season fantastic. is great. It's huge. So they took they took a major hiatus. Like they were gone for what three years before I think this. Two. I think it was yeah. two whole years. They were gone for quite a while, and then they uh, did an April Fool's uh, where they released the first episode of this season, and everybody thought it was just a joke. And then they're like, no, actually, we're coming out with season three later this year, and then people just lost their shit. And Rick and Morty, as I've said before, sounds like a stupid show. Like you, you, you go into it thinking that it's going to just be a dumb show because it's on Cartoon Network and they have Squidbillies and they have Sea Lab and they have uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force and those ones that are just dumb humor and that's about it. This one, 
Rick and Morty is just super intelligent, has to do with a bunch of like just interdimensional travel and what they're doing with this season. They're really, really fleshing out the characters even more than they have uh, the last two seasons. Like the, the story arc that they just started in episode seven is really going towards the end of this season and what's going to happen. And it's really good. If you haven't picked this up yet, it's on the first two seasons are on Hulu. Just watch them. Just watch them and enjoy because you will enjoy it so much. Paul. I had to eat Major Crow, and this is a, my official like mea culpa. Uh, I was very wrong about Rick and Morty. I was very much like, eh, meh, eh, I could take it or leave it. And then I watched all of season three, and it's hilarious. Like, it's such an incredibly wonderfully done animated show. Mm -hmm. This season is huge. Like, I, I, I'll just use this as a quick example. Like, I really don't care for Family Guy anymore, but when they do, like, their big extended, like, action sequences... I'm kind of in awe because it's some of the best action that's in an animated series. And this season, they did a Mad Max Fury Road episode that is just every bit as cool as Mad Max Fury Road. And six times as hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And just all of the... Yeah, because Mad Max Fury Road is easy to be six times as hilarious as Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, There's no humor in that one. Except for the explo or where Max goes all the way out and beats everybody up and all you're seeing is the explosions and then he walks back. That's yeah, like that's pretty hilarious. Part, really. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, and the tweaker on the guitar. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to continue to sing these praises. I'll probably talk about Rick and Morty again once the season finale comes out. Mm -hmm. uh, but I cannot give this show enough praise. Seriously. Nice. All right. Now, moving on to something that I or two shows I got into is is two things in Wet Hot American Summer. Wet Hot American Summer has four things out. The original movie. Um, then they had First Day at Camp. Uh, then they just released 10 years later. And then a couple years ago, uh, a little while back, they released uh, Hurricane of Fun, which is the making of documentary. And the two that I just started watching was the 10 years later, the recent um, series, miniseries that just released. And it's not even, it's not a standalone movie, it's a miniseries and Hurricane of Fun. Um, for 10 years later, it's worse than uh, the two years ago's first day at camp because that one, the first day at camp, had humor because the cast that came back all these years later, that came back, was it 15 years later to do it, mm -hmm. was a lot older, but they were playing younger versions of themselves in it. So that had inherent humor in it because it had jokes that were just that fit right in. Uh, and it was also setting up the status of the actual movie. So you could put all these hidden jokes in there on why this was there in the movie. Um, this one didn't have that, so it, it it struggled to have the same relevance, I think. And I don't remember how many episodes uh, we got through it, but in my life, we didn't finish it. 
and we may not go back and finish it. Uh, this one's probably a f- um, Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later. I'd probably give it about a 5 out of 10. It was not bad. It just was not nearly as enjoyable as First Day at Camp. Um, the next is Hurricane of Fun, which is the documentary. And this wasn't set up. I don't think they were ever planning on releasing a documentary. This is just captured footage from on the set. People happened to have a ton of cameras around. So they were capturing stuff. They were capturing stuff when they were out at the bar, downtime. They all lived in the camp. So all of the actors and actresses uh, lived there on the camp. And they would just wake up, get out of the bunks, and start filming. And it was sort of that camaraderie. They built this camp camaraderie there that you can feel on the show. But some of the best parts in the documentary was the interviews with the cast and some of them was their first movie and like big names bradley cooper amy poehler this was their this was their first movies ever was wet hot american summer and there were some others that were smaller names with people with faces you recognize it was also their first movie ever and these are comedy staples uh, as in extras and, and people you see in random other stuff and that was cool to see those interviews um but the documentary itself, again, that was another five out of ten. It wasn't bad, but wasn't enjoyable, mainly because of the quality of the filming, and it wasn't set up to tell a story. It's just stuff they grab and put together because it's such the movie has such a cult following. People wanted to see how they made it, and all of these people, how are they on the set? So they put something together, but it doesn't flow well at all. Hmm. Now, I think uh, I think of Wet Hot American Summer kind of like how. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was for a lot uh, for a different audience or a different generation different generation it brought in a bunch of different actors for people mm-hmm. like that was a lot of people's like Nicolas Cage was in that as an extra and you didn't even know until yep. later later on and it's it's crazy it brought in a lot of actors and this one did as well brought brought them into the forefront of yeah, uh, Days and Confused did that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Days and Confused brought in a ton of people that weren't anywhere before. Yeah, this one, yeah, did it in spades because there's very few people, there's very few casts in the show that did not go on to to continue acting and get a lot of roles. Well, that's also built off of the fact that this is over half this cast is from the state and the production or in like the crew behind it. Uh, that was the sketch comedy they did in the '90s on MTV. The one with the with mm-hmm. the two Michaels and what was their group? Uh, Stella, you know, like oh, David Ian Wayne, Black and... yeah, Michael Ian Black, mm-hmm. Michael Showalter, David Wayne, who went on to who directed Wet Hot American Summer and then did Role Models right. and Wonderlust and The Ten, which Jeff and I saw one time and really enjoyed. The sketch comedy movie about the Ten Commandments. Paul. Oh Rudd. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, but yeah, like that. That comedy troupe essentially made their first movie, and from there, yeah, they all became huge names in comedy. You know, part of that group even went on yeah. to do Reno 911 as well. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's why I think I was hoping these would be a little more uh, better quality, but I think this was just Netflix threw money at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did, and specifically 10 years later, they threw money at them. A script was thrown together brought the cast in, they did their stuff real quick and got out of there. Uh, it didn't seem like it had the camaraderie, the the thoughtful curating the first one had, or even uh, with, with First Day at Camp at, because I really did enjoy First Day at Camp as well. So, yeah, I don't think it was uh, well fleshed out. And if they do come back to this, that 
they flesh it out some more, but I doubt it. They kind of, they've done 20 years of story now, 10 years before the original movie, 10 years after. There's not much they can do more in the storyline, so it might be time to just punt on that one. Yeah. All right. Now, getting into my final show that watched South Park season 21 just started mm -hmm. and episode one just hit just watched it tonight have you seen it i, I watched it just before we hit record <laughs> <laughs> okay what did you think <laughs> i i really enjoyed it i yeah. thought it was hilarious the the moment that probably made me laugh the hardest was when the protesters are in the bar and they go, my soup is too hot. And his, go, and his friend goes, oh, I'll cool it down. And he starts waving the flag over it. <laughs> and they start cheering. Yeah. <laughs> just, just stop waving the thing. Stop flag. waving that flag. <laughs> yes. It, it, it basically kind of hit in a couple of ways. It took on um, white protests mm -hmm. in general like white supremacist protests and just general white protests. It took that on and it kind of hit Confederate flags. And that's the flag they're waving mm -hmm. and, and symbols and hit that a little bit. Then it took on digital home assistance to that technology, like Alexa and Google home and how technology is taking jobs, but just menial jobs. Mm -hmm. And then um, the, it kind of sums this up with this key to healing and home renovation. Yeah. The healing cultural divides and home innovation both is tearing down walls and they hinted at it throughout and then they just had this reveal like yes you must tear down this wall between the kitchen and the living room to make this house livable and just like in real life yeah. it's just so perfect like i can't up. tear down this wall it's a load-bearing wall <laughs> it's what everything is and built on man and that's the redneck with the Confederate yeah, yeah. flag. It's, it's so deep and in there. And we actually have uh, an Echo Dot here at the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, But we call ours, because uh, you can name it one of three things. Oh. And we actually call ours Echo mm -hmm. instead of Alexa. It defaults to Alexa. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening right now and you don't know, it's probably going to be all over the media this weekend. I, I've seen a lot of it. Is a lot of people are posting uh, videos and tweets about how that dang South Park show, look what it did to my Alexa, because they actually, the characters in the show make voice commands <laughs> saying, Alexa, do this. And it's stuff that Alexa will do. And so people were getting like vulgar stuff added to their shopping list because of the show, because the kids were joking around with it on their show. And then they were making them talk to each other and they were, they were, and then the Alexa was doing the talking. And so people were, capturing video of South Park making it do that stuff. And this is exactly what they wanted it to do. And it was a perfect way to start off because now they're right in the social media space talking about South Park is back, yep. but also like what it did to their, their home. Man, dude, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are just some of the most brilliant writers and creators out there. Like just straight mm. up. They are even, even though season 20 was so bad. That was one of the things I really liked about this episode was I feel it kind of killed what season 20 did when Cartman broke up with Heidi. I think it's Heidi. Right. I can't remember if it's Heidi or not, but when Cartman mm -hmm. breaks up with his lady, like, I think that was kind of like, look, we're done with the season 20 stuff. Uh, I read an interview that said they were going to go back to the, uh, basically like monster of the week type storyline 
They were going to drop the right because they had overarching plots. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I really did like the overarching plots in the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it brought a lot of new ways to tell stories. But one of the things that the individualized storytelling is where the plots don't overarc is you can hit a lot more cultural topics mm-hmm. instead of having to be stuck to one topic throughout. And uh, if you didn't watch last season, this is not, I'm not going to spoil hardcore, but last season had a lot to do with politics yeah. because it was right in the middle of the campaigning side of it. And I was really curious if they were going to continue that uh, in this current cycle. And I think that there's a good choice of them not doing it mm-hmm. because they can talk about that stuff now in different arenas and not do it with their presidential figureheads that they used in the show uh, or political figureheads they used in the show exactly. and be able to make their same cultural topics work. Yeah, I was actually, uh, that was one thing that I was kind of disappointed by. It was I was curious to see what Garrison was up to. Mm-hmm. which uh, maybe and we'll see that probably. yeah i'm sure they'll hit us yeah. with it soon but yeah like for season 20 the serialization of gerald's storyline it just to me i think it was super flat the whole skank hunt stuff mm-hmm. was just i don't know i felt it was it just didn't have enough to sustain a whole season worth of story i felt and it started showing right. the fatigue towards the end of it yeah, and I, I although I liked member bearers and they became a thing on this show because it's, it was there something very cultural in terms of like remember this and remember mm-hmm. that and, and last year was and it's it's been years before and now but last year especially was all about nostalgia and it, it it really was something to rally around and a term to use about it but I don't think the characters member bearers were fleshed out at all no. just the term member bearers was there but the characters themselves were just very bland yeah they the like the whole mafia thing that they ended up putting into it with the member berries it's just like yeah come on guys you you swung for the fences forced. and that was yeah forced very much so it was it was a, it was a a miss for these guys all right all right so i i like this episode i'm, I'm going i'll give I, this one a nine out of ten i yeah, thought it was yeah, hilarious I, and i'm always a big fan of randy and whenever randy's like at the forefront of a story it just kind of makes my heart sing <laughs> yes and when i saw the title of this episode i was, was just called white people renovating homes i was like this is gonna be good I mean, yeah. it's all gonna be good I'm like they got something here i let's see where this goes uh, i like the twist with it but uh, what are you going to – anything you're going to be watching next week? Uh, anything on your agenda? I'm going to continue watching American Horror Story Cult just to, because. Uh, continue to watch Rick and Morty. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'll probably – I just found that I have Dish Anywhere on demand on my Fire Stick. And so through my account with that, I can watch Dish on demand. So it's kind of just opened up all my television viewing again. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at all these shows yeah like uh yeah. i'm gonna i started snowfall from fx okay and so far that one's been really interesting nice well i think for us uh definitely gonna watch next week south park but then mm-hmm. also finish up black mirror season three and i think we have what five episodes of that one left five uh, four or five so that's gonna take up our our view and pretty much right there because uh me and my wife we do our 
TV watching nights, mm-hmm. and then I, we do our separate nights. And right now, our separate nights tends to be dominated with me playing Destiny. So, gonna <laughs> mm, mm, gotcha. <laughs> be gonna be leaning a little heavily towards the uh, uh, Destiny this week and knock out some Black Mirror uh, in between there. But all right, with that, let's move on to the NRQ hype train. Yeah. Now, uh, first thing in the hype train there is I'm excited that X-Force was a movie that was rumored to come about gets its director and it gets its director is Drew Goddard. Now, if you don't know what X-Force is, it's basically the mutant special ops of the X-Men. It's like they do the jobs the X-Men can't do. We do know Deadpool and Cable will be featured prominently in it, which seems to be like this is going to be their Avengers type team up where this movie kind of tears them into that. Um, and Goddard, the director, uh, he previously directed Cabin in the Woods, which is probably my favorite horror movie of all time on how it turned it on, it on its head mm-hmm. and not necessarily made fun of, but pointed out some of the silliness, but also was still serious while telling its own story. It was thoroughly enjoyable and, I've, and seen very rarely do I see movies multiple times. And this one I did see multiple times because it's that good and has stuff you miss in it. It's, it's also, also executiveness to it. You know, it's like it's telling yes. its own serious story while also pointing out the tropes of horror films and but not in a mean way in the least. Right. Honoring them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he executive produced uh, Netflix Daredevil and he wrote uh, the screenplay for Matt Damon's The Martian, which was nominated for a bunch of stuff. So this guy's got a good resume and chops that I feel trusted in his hands. Uh, were you excited about this one there, Paul? Oh, I'm very much excited. When I saw Drew Goddard was attached to it. I, I, it kind of confirms that I think Fox is really stepping up their game with the comic book movies mm-hmm. and with their kind of universe building. Uh, and Drew Goddard is just a great name for it because of Cabin in the Woods and because he's he's a geek himself. You know, he's worked with Joss Whedon a lot. They're kind of chummy. Ooh, pardon me. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's in good hands to where we're gonna get something well written. Something fun, uh, like solid story, solid action, and with Deadpool and Cable in it. I mean, come on, like, <laughs> yeah. And Deadpool is Deadpool will be sort of the lead. Mm-hmm. He he may not be the leader, but he'll be the lead character. Yeah, for uh, at least like the first Iron one. Man carries so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's gonna be the focus and attention, and that's gonna be that's it has all all signs point to awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, uh, I caught a trailer of a, a movie I didn't realize was coming out, but it's called The Current War. And I didn't know what The Current War was when I got it. I was like, oh, it's a modern war. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. It's the business war about current. The business war between Edison, Westinghouse, and Tesla mm-hmm. during the rise of electricity. Current. <laughs> yeah. So they, did. they should get out because <laughs> that's too punny. <laughs> <laughs> very, very too punny. Uh and starring uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Michael Shannon as uh, Edison and Westinghouse mm-hmm. uh, specifically. And I didn't catch who was uh, playing Tesla. Uh, this comes out. Holt. Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Okay. And it comes out January 19th, uh, 2018. So early next year. Uh, now, as long as this movie just needs to do one thing. It just needs to, as long as it doesn't play Edison as the good guy, I'll probably watch this movie. Because Edison has... This not revisionist, but revealed history behind him mm-hmm. as being an immoral businessman. 
yeah. um, stuff he did to Tesla, stuff he did to animals. Uh, he was not a very moral person. Mm-hmm. And with Cumberbatch as the lead and how the trailer was playing, I was like, are they going to play him as a good guy in this? And if they play him as that, I don't know if I can get behind that movie. But if they play him as his more real life character is as very um, shrewd and um, immoral when it came to his business practices, mm-hmm. then all right, I'll watch that because you're playing it more real to character. Oh, I just before recording, I decided to watch the trailer and there's some beautiful shots in it like that. All the light bulbs in the field, like there's some really nice stylistic mm-hmm. shots. Uh, I feel they are going to be playing Edison a little more amoral because there's this mm-hmm. moment where Westinghouse and him are on the phone. And he's like, look, the next time you say something about my company, it better be the truth. Because he's right. making claims that Westinghouse's electricity is killing people like his currents are uncontrolled and doing damage to people's property. Right. And there's that uh, thing in history where, uh, and yeah, you're right too, because even the trailer, his wife says, yeah, well, his current kills people. And it's like, no, you did that. Yeah. And he was do he was doing experiment. He was doing public displays where he'd take an elephant and mm-hmm. he'd kill it with uh, the Westinghouse was, was or with, I forgot which one was which with AC and he was yeah. DC. I forgot which, if, if I'm wrong, then flip and flop, mm-hmm. but he'd kill him with the opposing current. And then, uh, that people look mind safe, but he was just putting it in an environment where yes, that this current will kill an elephant. He was just dropping elephants left and right. So he could do that. Yep. Is yeah. And the movie itself, I think is going to do a, I hope it does a good job of capturing that also and doesn't play out too too stylized and too revisionist, you know, because a story like this, I feel is honestly better suited for like a documentary Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this kind of story is definitely better suited for a documentary, but this is going to be more, you know, how like we watch Walk the Line or Straight Outta Compton or things like that. This is how we're going to get our history and, you know, Cliff's Notes versions. Yeah, exactly. They just need to stick with what actually happened and try to give that whole thing and not try to uh, try not to fluff anybody up except Tesla. Mm-hmm. You can fluff that dude up. That dude yeah, does not get that enough dude does love not get enough love from <laughs> like we all love him. But the history books need to love him more. Exactly. Yep. And, and he needs this museum. Yeah, absolutely. Tear down the Edison Museum and just rebuild it <laughs> for the Tesla Museum. Give us a Tesla. <laughs> yep. All right. And then you popped in this uh, the, this foreigner trailer. Yeah. That, uh, I watched it. Oof. Oh, man. So Jackie Chan plays a grieving father whose daughter is killed in an IRA terrorist bombing. And he wants revenge. I'm a sucker for revenge movies, and this one just looks so great. Jackie Chan yes. just doing awesome action, doing like a Taken-style thing uh, from Martin Campbell, right. who ha- directed GoldenEye and Casino Royale, and also Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not everything can be a Exactly. <laughs> but he, has, he knows how to direct action, and... What I like in because I've wa- I watched every trailer. They just released the most recent, the final trailer, which is the shortest. But out of all three or four trailers that I've seen for it, the action looks well paced. The camera work in it doesn't seem to be shaking all over the place like a like a Bourne style. Right, right. It's 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 single cuts. It's not 
13 like exactly. or even taken style yeah where like let's let's have Liam Neeson do an, uh, an action scene that very famous jump over the fence that was yeah he jumped over the fence and it was 13 cuts yep. from the jump over the fence yeah no sorry. no thank you and Jackie Chan just looks like he's going to give a great performance uh Martin Campbell looks like he's back in his element and I love seeing Pierce Brosnan playing opposite James Bond like playing like the anti-James Bond character because mm-hmm. like the boss yeah yeah and it's just, it looks great. They kind of give away in the trailer that he's connected to the bombing, even though he works for the government and things like that. But right. through just throughout everything, it looks like a great action-packed movie. comes out October 13th, and I don't go out to the movies very often, but I'm definitely going to go out and I'm going to see this one. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I saw about this one is that all the stuff looked good. It looked like a Taken movie with the action in it. I love that part of it. And um, I like that twist. And I like Jackie Chan being back. So mm-hmm. like all that stuff he said, man. Th- this one was a surprise because I hadn't been following it. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. Because like, Jackie Chan's making a movie. Like, I hadn't seen much of his stuff lately. But yeah, this one definitely had all the pieces in just the right places um, to make it good. And even the action sequences that they showed were is that not just said not just shown well in the camera angles but smart mm-hmm. like some of the stuff that the jackie chan character was doing was like oh yeah somebody who was trained to take out people with a special set of set of skills yep. could probably do something uh here similar to that and make it work yeah and the fact that he still does his own stunt work is incredible and it looks like he can still like shimmy between skinny things because there's like a moment where he's trapped <laughs> behind, you know, like a kitchen door and he's just like up and hops up and it's just, it's crazy cool to see him still doing these moves at probably 60 something now. Yep. Yeah. I don't know how old he is, but I do know he, he's broken a lot of stuff and he probably, he's probably doing a smaller percentage in this than he's done in other stuff, mm-hmm. but still like you can tell he's doing a lot of that. Um, moving on to the next topic, uh, Star Wars Episode Nine had a director shuffle. Mm-hmm. So Colin Trevorrow is out, and then J.J. Abrams is in. So J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams was a surprise. Not a lot of people were picking uh, directors who they wanted in it. Um, and I know a lot of it has to do with shooting schedules for other movies if you're trying to get a big name. But J.J. Abrams did Force Awakens, yeah, he and did. and he's I mean <clears throat> he can't make a bad movie. It's, Lately, I don't. I can't think of anything he's done movie wise that has been bad, dude. I didn't. I hated Into Darkness. Kid. Oh, he did. I did. But that was <laughs> that's because of uh, Kurtzman and Orsi. That's the writers. Yeah, but did, did he? But did he direct Into Darkness though? Yeah, he did. Or did he just produce? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he directed. Okay, because well. I knew he directed the first one. I didn't know if he directed Into Darkness. All right. J.J. Abrams is a director that I really want to love his work, but I always kind of feel like I just end up liking it okay. Like, Super 8 is really cool, but I don't love it, I feel, as much as I should. Uh, Force Awakens, when I saw that in theaters, I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And then I rewatched it, and I was like, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it just it did the exact stuff you wanted it to do in, in the movie. And I think that's what Kathleen Kennedy wants here. And that's why Trevorrow's out. So Colin Trevorrow, if you, if you don't know, he... Uh, he did Jurassic World, mm-hmm. and that did well, and that got him this gig. Well, his last movie, Book of Henry, bombed. Hard. and Critically hard. and financially. Yeah. 
And so that kind of raises some flags. Um, I didn't see it. I know some of the topics in it. Mm-hmm. I know it had to it had to do with uh, child abuse mm-hmm. and 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 vigilantism uh, and vigilantism and how that plays. So if that didn't play well, I could definitely see Kathleen Kennedy watching. Like, wait, you're okay with putting that on the screen? Because Jurassic World. You, I mean, he was probably very well curated, and it was a very generic Jurassic oh, yeah. Park story. So he just like cookie cutter that thing and just carried that through. When mm-hmm. he got to do something in his own, it didn't do well. And so combine that with some reports coming in that he was butting heads with Kathleen Kennedy. And we saw what happened with Lord Miller on the Han Solo movie when you butt heads with Kathleen Kennedy. I know. <laughs> you get replaced for a decent director, but really a director who's never really done anything to make you go, Oh, wow, I love Ron Howard movies. Yeah, that's true. I like Ron Howard movies. Right? I like everything he's done. Um, and not everything he's done. I've liked a lot of the stuff he's done, but you're right. Like, I don't I don't go out of my way to say, oh, my God, Ron Howard's directing it. It's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. I say, Ron Howard's directing it. It's going to be fine. Yeah, he's a very <laughs> inoffensive director. He's, comp- he's very competent, and, like, he's made great movies. Apollo 13... Uh, backdraft for better or worse is backdraft, you know, Cinderella man, a beautiful mind. Like he has the, the resume to be a very much, he's like a safer version of Spielberg, I think is a, is a good way to look at it. Right. Yeah. And someone who's gonna do what you want him to do. Mm-hmm. And I, his name was the first one I heard, uh, our Sarah dropped. Like you get Ron Howard to do that one, to episode nine, mm-hmm. uh, because you he's doing the Han Solo one now. But I think timing wouldn't work because he still has to finish the Han Solo one, and then episode nine would need to be starting mm-hmm. uh, within that time frame. So that's why that don't work. And I think that's where a lot of this fell down to, uh, and why J.J. Abrams was picked because he was the biggest and best name of the ones that just had an open shooting schedule. Yep. Because he's all in the producer world now; he's not shooting anything. Mm-hmm. So it, this puts him back in the director's chair and gets him that big paycheck. But then uh, he's the one that has the availability to get on it and keep it mostly on schedule. Because uh, it the release date moved, and we're looking at December 2019 now. Okay. So yeah, I mean he, and the thing is, like he always he's he's like Ron Howard. He just he doesn't make like bad movies. He makes good movies. You know, I'm yeah. I'm just a little surprised to see. That he did come back to it because I could be wrong, but I remember him saying something along the lines of like he's done doing remakes, reboots, and touching other people's properties. Right. He wants to do original stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe because he's so involved with this and with this process that Force Awakens was such a remake mm-hmm. of New Hope that maybe episode nine is going to be something a lot more original that he a lot had a lot of hands touching in. Mm-hmm. And so that could, that could be withdrawal, man. That would be because fantastic. right now. I, yeah. Cause I don't think it would be the paycheck. I don't think they, they could have thrown any number of money at him to make him direct something he didn't want to. Cause the dude is insanely uh, successful. I don't, yeah. I, I don't it, see him it, being a sellout at all. Yeah. This is the product. Mm-hmm. Something in this product made him uh, want to come back. All right, and then one that we saw the teaser on a while back, we mm-hmm. saw a full trailer on. Uh, I'm, I this is probably the movie I'm most looking forward to this year, and it's the Disaster Artist. 
James Franco directing a film about the making of the infamous The Room. <laughs> yes. And it's it's the it's that whole bunch. It's like all of the the Franco Seth Rogen mm-hmm. bunch you see in all their movies. This is the end. You see them all in there, and and he, we were talking about this earlier. He embodies yeah. the character, one hundred percent. He the prosthetics, the hair, the body language, the voice. Just Franco is an interesting actor, and he makes very interesting choices. And I think because of that, he really is like the best choice to play a Tommy Wiseau type or to actually play Tommy Wiseau, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he can make those choices that Tommy Wiseau would make to get there. Because sometimes he would do that in other movies and it just doesn't work, but he can do it in this one. I mean, everything looks to work. Mm-hmm. And this is something I noticed previously, but Tommy Wiseau is actually in this movie. He, what? He's listed in IMDb. He is listed in my IMDb as a character in this movie. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That So he's he's owning it. <laughs> what I really like about the trailer that came out is it feels more fleshed out as a film. I loved the trailer of them just doing the rooftop scene because it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just one scene, one one scene from the movie that's just show that, and that's yeah. it. It was just, this is what we're going to get. This is going to be great. Yeah. But this one actually showed us uh, Wizo as a, as a human, as someone yeah. who wants this to be his life. You know, this is his dream. And the same with Dave Franco playing uh, Greg Sestero. You know, it it humanizes these people that we've been laughing at for the last what, 13, 14 years since the room came out, you know, we've all had a good laugh at their expense, but now we're seeing, we're actually seeing what went into it. Cause I'm, I didn't read the book, the disaster artist, which this movie is being adapted from. I probably should. Uh, but there's just, it's going to be really great to see how it all fleshed out and to just see all these actors putting their heart and soul into something like this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. This comes out December, 2017. Uh, this is going to be a great holiday comedy. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this is the one where a, uh, mom, mom, dad, uh, the kid. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one we're going to the movie with. She, she can't come. Yeah. You probably won't like this either. Right. Right. <laughs> this is, this is a movie for, film geeks like like just straight up this is a movie where they know who their audience is and that's who it's it's being marketed to and it did also just premiere at tiff if i remember correctly as well oh nice Mm -hmm. now i i think this could have some draw as well too from people who have no clue what the room is as well too Mm -hmm. you just like the characters um because you, it seems like you don't have to see this movie to realize that this is a movie about people making a bad movie mm-hmm. and making fun of that. So you don't have to know all these scenes because it does take, like you said, it, it's not just them making the movie. It does show their their life a lot. And so you get to see this process of this person making something that's uh, a giant turd. Like yeah. You get to see the recipe of making a giant turd happen. And... <laughs> 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 little Skittles, a little uh, Popeye's fried chicken. <laughs> little, little, uh, was it P.F. Yeah, Chang's? And then you get Randy yeah, exactly. sitting on top and of a toilet. Hot, 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 yeah. hot, hot. 
<laughs> yeah. That's the room. Yeah. You end up with the room and you get to see how that's made. <laughs> that I think our trailer might be worse than theirs, our verbal trailer just now. Yeah, I think so. But still, we got mm-hmm. we got the point across. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we're uh we're done here. Go ahead and sign off. Mm-hmm. Uh Paul, where can people find you? Uh people can find me on Twitter at P A U L R R O M A N. You can find me on Twitter at the Jeff Berry. That is T H E G E O F F B A R R Y. You can also find me on the Nerdentials podcast where we talk about nerdy stuff. And you can find me on Twitter at Caucasian Saint, all one word on Twitter. You can find the podcast at podcast at Geekologist Radio, Twitter at Geekologist Radio minus the T for character restrictions. Uh, on the web geekologistradio.com and with multiple other podcasts at ninjapancake.com and for us and the last two remaining Jeff did have to sign off in the middle so if he didn't hear himself off and Fouts cut him out he did have to step away from the podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, and he might have have his stuff entered in somewhere around here Yeah. (laughs) and then uh, that's it for us and you have a good rest of your week team yeah